Welcome to the Healthy, Happy Human Podcast, where I give you real-world, actionable advice to help you build healthy habits, develop your mindset, and lead a life worth living. I'm your host, Paul Leviton, and I'm here to help you be the healthiest, happiest human that you can be. All right, everyone, welcome back, and to all my new listeners, welcome Today's interview is with Dr. Caleb Burgess. Dr. Caleb Burgess is a physical therapist and strength specialist. He has a huge Instagram following where he puts out amazing, super specific, good fitness content every day. Great things in terms of teaching you exercises, teaches you stretches, teaches you really everything you need to know. I mean, this guy is the blueprint for the the best fitness content. So I'll have the link in the bio to follow him. Uh, this podcast episode is a little bit more on the fitnessy side, the technical aspects, because I do dig into Caleb's uh, physical therapy mind a bit and ask him a little bit on the exercise side of things. Uh, but I do try to always circle back to mindset, to life, to general topics that I think will be, you know, important and helpful for everyone, not just fitness enthusiasts. So if you are into fitness, if you are into body stuff and we get a, get a little bit into pain and physical therapy and core and that kind of stuff, you'll love this. And if not, I would still give it a listen anyway because there's a lot of valuable nuggets in here just in terms of mindset, in terms of health, in terms of dealing with things because we all go through injuries. We all are going to get hurt at some point. We all hopefully won't, but probably will have to maybe go to physical therapy at some point in our lives. So it's just a valuable episode. There's a lot of stuff that we talk about. It's a wide ranging in topics. As always, while you're listening to this episode, please screenshot, upload it to Instagram and tag both me and Dr. Caleb Burgess, him at Dr. Caleb Burgess. Again, the link is in the show notes and me at Paul Levitin, P-A-U-L-L-E-V-I-T-I-N. Uh, enjoy the episode, and I hope you learn something amazing. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Healthy Happy Human Podcast. I am here with a very special guest today, Dr. Caleb Burgess. Dr. Caleb is a physical therapist, a strength and conditioning specialist, and an all-around awesome person who I have learned a lot from from social media, and I'm super excited to have him on the show today. Uh, Caleb, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. In uh, sunny California over here. Sunny California. That's a good, good place to be. Um, so I like to start things off just by always asking everyone for their origin story and just kind of mm. tell me, I feel like everyone who's in the fitness and health or whatever world has a unique way that they got there. So I'm interested to know how, how exactly you landed and where you are. Okay. So I guess I'll start from the, the beginning. I'll make this short, but if I ramble, it is what it is. <laughs> I, uh, I grew up playing multiple sports. So I played soccer, basketball, baseball. Uh, I'm 6'5", so I was a pitcher in baseball. I uh, did well at basketball just because I'm a, a good size for basketball. And then soccer, not really the best size for that. And, and as I got older, the guys got quicker and I wasn't as quick as them. So I kind of had to shift gears um, and go play some basketball and saw and basketball and baseball. But then I ended up fracturing my elbow when I was a sophomore in high school playing basketball, which kind of screwed things up for me as a pitcher in baseball. And I just thought to myself, you know what, when I come back from this, I'm just going to stick with basketball. And so I had a lot of rehab for the elbow and it was, um, I had a couple of surgeries for it. So it actually was a pretty long recovery process. Um, and I had some really good physical therapists in there. Um, that helped me out to basically get back from that. And that was something that stuck with, with me um, when I basically was going into college and into my career uh, or trying to figure out what I was going to do with my career. I figured out, you know what, it's something that I want to do. I want to be a physical therapist. Um, I want to help people recover from injuries like I did. And I actually had a knee injury in, in college that I had to recover from as well. And um, basically long story short, I ended up going into physical therapy because of the injuries that I had and also having the background as an athlete and being around like fitness and trying to be involved with healthy living and, and working with, as I was kind of going in that journey to become a physical therapist, working with people um, as like a personal trainer and, and strength mm -hmm. coach um, along that path, I, I thought, you know what, I want to be a physical therapist, but I also want to help people at a higher level 
higher level athletes or people that just maybe they didn't, they don't have like a specific injury, but they have these little aches and pains that they still want to work out at a high level. Mm-hmm. And so to kind of blend the two, which is not anything original, but it's something that really I'm passionate about. So that's kind of in, in a nutshell, my story and why I'm doing what I'm doing now. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that that's a very a common thing is, uh, one, people who hurt themselves and have a good uh, physical therapy experience are kind of inspired because like, whoa, this person helped me so much and like I want to help people do that same thing. But I also find, because this was my experience, that a lot of people think to get into physical therapy and then they kind of realize that they don't want that to be so stuck in the rehab world of like, oh, like I actually want to help people be better, not just okay, you know, and you took that yeah. and you, you made that a thing by melding those two worlds of physical therapy. Yes. But also strength and conditioning. Yep. Exactly. It's like, we, we, it's not just it, the thing of a physical therapy is it's always getting people back to their previous level of function, mm-hmm. but then it's, uh, there's a lot more push now, which I totally support, which is getting people to exceed their previous level of function. So maybe they have the setback, we get them back to where they were, but we go, Hey, I can get you even further than that and help you excel in activities and life that you want to excel in. And that's where more the strength conditioning focus that maybe a lot of folks, physical therapists, maybe don't have as much of a background in because we're used to just kind of helping people recover. It's like, well, how do we help them thrive now? Yes. So where they're like, Whoa, I can't believe I could ever do this stuff. And, and that's, that's what I'm passionate about. Yeah, I love that. I think that uh, exactly. I agree so much because thrive is the word that I use all the time. I think that people, especially in today's modern age, don't realize how how bad they are physically. Not to put people down, but like the the they let their bodies kind of get to a certain point where once they when when they finally pay attention to it, whether it's being overweight or just being weak or just not moving, when they're like, whoa, something it takes something catastrophic happening for them to be like, okay, I'm gonna fix this. And then at that point, they're kind of digging themselves out of a hole where it's like, ooh, just just getting you back to zero is gonna be a is, is going to be a tough one, let alone getting you past there. But it's is still such a valiant effort. I think that that's a super important thing that you're doing. Um, and for people who don't know, you do have a super big social media following. Uh, it's like almost 500,000 people follow you on Instagram, which anyone who's listening who does not follow uh, the good doctor right now should because your stuff is amazing. And that's part of the reason. Well, that's the whole reason I follow you, but part of the reason that I asked you on because it's not just – it is good information. It's all super helpful and super uh, actionable. And that's my whole thing with this is like giving people real information. There's so much – nonsense out there yeah and i think that that it, you have again a unique perspective because you are a pt and a strength and conditioning coach so my question for you is how do you see this stuff you know physical therapy fitness strength and conditioning evolving in the future and like where do you see like the, the pt clinic of the future looking like I think the, the PT clinic of the future is kind of already happening and you see it a lot on social media really is it's a lot more of people kind of giving almost like services that you might expect from a personal trainer where it's like, Hey, come in and see me. You don't have to go to your doctor right away mm-hmm. because a lot of people, they, they think I injure myself and if they don't know any better, they go to the doctor and then they might get medication they might get imaging and there's like this whole song and dance before they finally get to PT. And when they could have got to PT right away and maybe like started on the right track and not dug as big of a hole, or maybe, maybe when they go to the doctor and they get this imaging and they're, they're freaking out about what their spine looks like when it really didn't matter that much if they got the image, imaging or not. Um, so the PT of the future basically is like someone coming in right off the street or everybody being a lot more aware of what we do um, and how we can help people right away. Um, Whereas in the past, it's been a lot more of this really slow process and, and we're not the first people to see people right away when they get injured. Um, that's if, if you follow physical therapists on social media um, and a lot of the younger generation that, that does, it, you might be like, oh, well, I thought that's what it was. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you, you talk to anybody who, who's maybe, I don't know, not that they're old, but anybody like 40s and up mm-hmm. um, and even people that are younger too. Yeah. Um, a lot of people don't know that like what you see on social media is not how typically you, you work with physical therapists and, and the, the amount that we push a lot of our like 
patients and their athletes is not a lot of times commonplace, which is very unfortunate and kind of embarrassing sometimes, to be honest, um, with the profession. And sometimes you get these really not very good physical therapists that are just used to like, they only want to stick at the super low level mm-hmm. and they don't know how to like really take the goals of somebody with higher expectations and like, okay, how do we get that person to get to these really high levels? And I get there's a, there's a, there's a niche um, for every like different specialties of physical therapy. But I think like, like I was saying, it's more this aspect of like selling our services and promoting our services as like a first line of um, prevention, but also first line of recovery as well. Yeah, for sure. I, I love that. And I think that is super important. And I do agree it is happening, but to not nearly as the extent that it that it needs to happen, because, uh, you know, as a personal trainer and strength and conditioning coach myself, I refer people to physical therapy almost instantly. Like if you tell me literally anything is wrong, just like go get physical therapy. Like why would you not? You know, like it just it just makes sense that this is what there's someone out there who specializes in fixing the thing. People like they'll come to me you know, on the gym floor, someone will walk up to me like, Hey, my shoulder hurts. What should I do about that? I'm like, I don't know. Go get physical therapy. Like, don't, you know, like, <laughs> don't wait for an MRI. Exactly. Like you said, you like, if it hurts, you think you did like, like, or they'll be like, I know I did something wrong. I was bench pressing. I heard a pop. And like, now it's like this. I'm like, yeah, don't, you don't need to, you don't need anything else than that. You just need to know that you have something that you want to fix. And there's people out there who will help you fix it. And, and to add to what you just said, um, a lot of people don't realize that that you can go to a physical therapist and we have the education now where if it's something that we, that you do need to see a doctor for, or you do need to see a surgeon for, like, we're not going to just hold, I mean, the good physical therapists are not going to hold on to you and say, no, like I I can fix the problem. If we really don't think we can, um, when I say I can fix, I mean, guide the person back. If we think you need to go get checked out by a physician, we're going to go send you just like you said, like, I'm not going to hesitate. Um, and I think the other thing is, a lot of a lot of physical therapists need to get better at recognizing from like a strength conditioning and personal training aspect how how those individuals can help the people as well. Like maybe if it's outside of their comfort zone or expertise as a physical therapist, they they can say, "Hey, I know a really good guy down the street that can get you a lot stronger and a lot faster, and he's better at it than I am because that's not what I deal with all day." Mm-hmm. And just kind of having this open communication between different individuals in different areas, I think, is super important and having the respect that um you can trust those people and also knowing that like no one's trying to steal mm-hmm. clients or patients from other people because i've had things with with personal trainers that i know that don't want to send them to me because they want to do their like you said like you would send people out like out but like other people were like oh well, i want to do my rehab stuff with them yeah. like, you're not a, you're not a physical therapist like let me help them get on the right track i might only see them one time and give them some tips and i'll all I like ask for the personal trainer's number and yeah. I just say mm-hmm. like, give me their number so I can tell them how to like things to avoid or things to modify, go back to see them. And that's going to help my connection with that personal trainer. And also with, with the client, because then they're going to be like, Oh wow, this guy's not just in it to try to make money. He just wants me to get better and then go right back to what I was doing, you know, and that helps everybody. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a super important uh, point to make to the listeners is the distinction that you're making, this exists on every level. So in, in physical therapy and personal training and strength and conditioning and everything, it's, there's good and bad in everything. And, you know, someone like you who has that mindset, that mindset of it's about what's best for the client, for the patient is always going to do what's best for them. But that's really the, where the, 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 the problem is, is that a lot of people don't have that mindset. So a lot of personal trainers, I know because I've been a personal trainer for many years, will, like you said, someone's shoulder is hurt and they'll try to do some like correctives or something like that because they're, again, they're afraid. They're living in that, that scarcity mindset of like, there's never going to be more. It's like, if you have some movement restrictions, maybe yeah, I can help you with that. Like I can help you, you know, restore if there's n- no underlying pathologies or something. Yes, we can help with that. But for the most part, people, you know, it's the whole like 80, 20 rule, like 80% of the people are doing 20% of the work and the, those top 20% are the ones who are helping the most people. So for the people listening, it's about qualifying who you work with. And I think asking questions like, like Caleb was just saying about like, you know, like, is your physical therapist trying to get you better, not just back to where they were? Is your personal trainer not afraid to uh, refer you to someone else if you have injuries or are they trying to keep everything for themselves or these are the important questions 
that people need to be asking. Totally. And, and the other thing about that is there's nothing wrong as a personal trainer with going, oh, your shoulder's hurting a little bit. How do we modify your training to make mm-hmm. it more appropriate? Maybe let me give you, I, I have learned some stuff that'll help isolate yeah. some strengthening your shoulder. There's nothing wrong with doing that. Mm-hmm. But if, you, if you're not really sure if it's the right stuff or you're kind of just guessing, that's where you kind of have to check yourself and go like, you know what, just get it checked out. Like yeah. you might not take, you need to go see them for, a, you might just need to see them one time. Yeah. Or maybe for a few weeks or something and then come back and see me afterwards. So there's nothing wrong with trying some stuff as long as you have a good reason for it. Yeah, for sure. Um, I like, I like that point. And that actually leads me what we were just talking about into my next question, which is that, you know, being that you are a strength coach and just an all around jacked guy, you know, you're, you're in good shape. You've, you've been, you played sports for many years. What do you think about uh, physical therapists and doctors in general who aren't in that space, who, who don't know about fitness. I'm doing air quotes for people listening, but like are giving out generalized fitness advice, you know, but, but don't really know about it. Uh, I, I think it's, it's tough to answer that because I mean, I guess if you would ask me this a few years ago, I would have been a lot more fired up and maybe like, <laughs> Oh, those people need to like do better. But Again, you also have to realize there's, there's physical therapists that work with just kids, like pediatrics, um, and they have maybe neurological issues. There's people that work with like women's and men's health and people that can't hold in their urine when they cough, like, like stuff like that. And that's really important stuff. And they don't technically always need to know this crazy amount of, of detail into the fitness world. Um, I still think it's, it's important to educate yourself about that stuff because you, like, for example, like let's say women's health you are going to see people that come in that are maybe younger and they haven't, haven't had kids or anything, but they, they might wet themselves when they do a deadlift or something and they don't know how to control that. And that's where understanding that world is important. They might not need to specialize in it, but just taking some time to research it, I think is super important. I mean, especially if you're going to be giving out advice to people on a regular basis, like to just kind of give this general um, cookie cutter advice is, is not, not appropriate and and people need to take the time to learn more about how they can help everybody across the whole spectrum, especially um, people that they're seeing a lot of. So I think it's more relevant for people that are in the orthopedic and sports physical therapy section, because people have to be, our patients have to be functioning at a super high level. Um, So it kind of comes more naturally to, to, I guess the specialization that I'm in. Um, But in some of the other fields, I mean, the other, um, I guess, specialization areas, it's not as relevant or not as obvious for them to do that, but there are going to still be those patients that have those goals that you need to understand how to give a little bit better advice, or at least have somebody you can refer to, to, to help that person out. If you are lacking the the knowledge and the skills to help them. Yeah, I 100% agree. And it comes back to what we've just been talking about already is having the, the, wherewithal and the knowledge to refer out and be able to say like, you know, that's an important thing, but I don't know if I'm the best person to help you with that. Um, I think that just exactly what you were just talking about, like, I don't think that people realize, or I I know that a lot of people don't realize that things like this exist, like pelvic floor specialists, you know, that, that these are, you know, there's people who they, they think that just a physical therapist is a physical therapist or like a doctor is a doctor. But again, going back to what I was saying about qualifying who, who you work with, they're, you can find a specialist for, for, for anything. Like if you have been yeah. the, the most intricate parts of the body and stuff. So it's just one of those things. That's why I asked about like specifically with doctors. Cause I know as a personal trainer, you know, people will come to me and they'll be like, well, my doctor said not to deadlift. And I'm like, well, what kind of doctor, <laughs> you know, what do they know? Like, what do they mean deadlifting, you know, barbells with 315 or do they mean lifting groceries off the floor? Cause that's a deadlift. You know, so it's like these, these vast general sweeping statements that I kind of like take a stance against. Oh, I, we could talk for like two hours about that. <laughs> and, and one of the biggest pet peeves, and, and this, again, I'm not trying to call anybody specific out any specific professions. And honestly, I have, I know many physicians that are amazing and like, they're so helpful in helping with people that have more like acute pain, or even if even chronic pain helping from the medical side of things is huge. Um, and so I'm, I'm not discounting that, but when, when there's this, especially I, I think it's sometimes like the older school mm-hmm. yeah. uh, mindset of I'm the, I'm the doctor, I'm the physician, the physical therapist is under me. They do what I say and giving us like telling us what we should do. 
it really is a slap in the face, um, even if it's even if it's ignorance and the person means the best from it. Um, the only time where I will take that more into account is if it's like a surgeon or something where they have specific like, hey, based on this person's medical history and their healing, um, let's they give you precautions or a guideline of like, hey, I don't want you to do this type of stuff before this time. It's still not very specific advice. It's basically just like, hey, here's the things that you're allowed to do this stuff. And then once after this point, you can do more stuff. And I, I totally get on board with that. But when it's just general rehab, someone comes in with shoulder pain and then the doctor says like, do this, do these exercises or do this stuff. And I'm like, you didn't evaluate them. You don't know what they need. And, and I'm, I'm the specialist in rehab. You're not, you're a family practice physician, you know? So um, it, it, it means a lot when you get the respect from, I guess you could say people that are very highly educated like physicians when they say, Hey, I trust you to take care of my patient, help them get better. I, I'll leave it up to you to do the assessment. Um, if there's anything that's super dangerous, they shouldn't be doing, um, mm-hmm. you can give me some guidelines, but like, like you said, saying a general sweeping comment, like don't do deadlifts. That's like, how do you know that that they shouldn't do that? And, yeah. and what kind of reasoning are you using? You know? Yeah. So I, I totally, I totally understand that. And that, that it does get me fired up. Yeah, I think it's exactly like you said. It's kind of that old guard thinking of like, yeah, you know, the, I, this is the I, I always have like, listen, I'm not a doctor. I didn't go to medical school. But anyone who is a doctor inherently knows a lot more than I do. But at the same time, when someone's making a making a statement like that, I just ask them like, well, how old is that person? When did they go to medical school? How like how long yeah. you know how long ago? Because a lot of this stuff about what we're learn, learning about fitness. I mean, I have to imagine if you are you know if you went to medical school in the 90s versus going to medical school today, they know different things now. You know, technology yeah. is advancing in such a pace. Same thing with exercise. Like, yeah, what they thought about exercise. Like, if you ask someone about, in, in the early 90s, literally gyms were for bodybuilders and actors. Like, th- th- that's what yeah. we're made for. You know, like, there was not like a general sure. person's gym that everyone just went to. Now it's like, if you don't have a gym membership, you are the outlier, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I just like, like the, I just like to preface things with and let people re, let people remember that we all have different like points of view and you know I always say a doctor's opinion is just that it's an opinion they call it that for a reason it's like go to get a second opinion it's like, they don't say go get a second fact you know it's like yeah. uh, it's one of those things so um, going a little bit off that but I'll, I'll, I'll back around to where we started I wanted to ask you mentioned you played soccer baseball basketball um, and also now talking about doctors versus strength coaches with uh, physical therapy and all these different things. How do you feel about um, specialization in, in sport or in life in general versus the, the opposite? Um, so how I look at it, and I'm, a lot of people would agree with this, is when you're younger, you're still developing. You're still, you're still developing your motor skills. So you're basically your coordination and your ability to take a bunch of different variability of, of movements and control them and learn how to balance and learn how to basically produce force in all different directions. And it, when I say produce force, we're not just talking like lifting weights, we're talking about like anything in life and cutting and jumping and backpedaling and all that kind of stuff, swimming, whatever. So how I look at it is when you're young and you're still developing, if you can be in as many different types of activities as possible, it doesn't even have to be organized sports. It could just be like different activities to help you develop so that when you are older and you're not really as what we call plastic, like you're not really like able to learn as many things. If you can learn that at a young age um, and not specialize so early, that's amazing because it's going to help you with the rest of your life, be a lot more coordinated um, in anything that you do and probably excel in a lot more of what you do. Plus it decreases the chance of um, like overuse injuries so if you're specializing in one thing and you're doing the same thing repetitively over and over and over again, and I see this all the time in my, like, let's say eight to 16 year old pitchers or baseball players where they play like on three different baseball teams and they're playing seven days a week. And they have like three of those days they're playing you said, like, you said eight year olds, eight year olds. Well, oh, even like younger, sometimes like six year olds use injuries. Like they're like only playing baseball and they're playing and it's not much talking about baseball, but usually yeah. baseball is one of the big ones because it's so much stress on the arm mm-hmm. and these kids are still developing their, their, their bones are still growing. They're, they're, um, they're basically the, the, the bone cartilage has not fused yet. So it's like, so all this stuff is like, 
it's like, no, 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 we can't, we, we should not be, these kids can play baseball, but like, don't like kill them. They're not like these like 25 year old men who are in amazing shape and they're skeletally mature, you know? So um, you decrease the chance of overuse, plus you help the development of the person with anything. And so that cross training aspect of doing different sports, you're basically resting to some degree from the other sports as you're playing a different sport and you're developing these, these new motor skills And then when you end up, like, let's say you were, you did excel at something and you were going to play in high school or college or professionally, you have all this extra movement variability that maybe someone who specialized a lot younger doesn't have. And so when it comes to doing things on the fly or having to react and stuff, you might have some skills that someone else doesn't have because you, let's say you played basketball, you played soccer. So you just have some better footwork or something, just things like that. Um, and it's not a direct transfer, but it, it definitely applies. Yeah, 100%. I agree. And the reason I brought that up for everyone listening, because everything that you just said about sports specialization, which is what we were talking about, right? Specializing at, in, a, in a certain sport, picking baseball, like you said, from six, seven, eight years old and playing only that sport for years and years and years is the exact same if we just take out sport and think about it from a thought perspective of the what we were talking about before with the doctors, with, the, with you know, with with personal trainers with physical therapists, if you're only so zeroed in on your specific thing and you don't ever take into account the, the, the rest of, you know, other outlets or other ways to view things, you get so niched and so specialized that it's like, you're, yes, you can see things from that lens, but only that lens and having that variability would allow you to kind of pivot, like you just said, to, to cut, to do all the things that we probably do need to be doing. Totally true. And, and based, I mean, going off of what you just said from like a physical therapy's perspective, um, if you get so caught into physical therapy is what's going to fix everything, you might miss the fact that, Hey, if you go see your doctor and you get this, not that I'm like a big advocate of taking a lot of medication, but Hey, if you get this injection or if you get this, if you take this medication or, or talk to this doctor about what they might be able to provide you. I, I bet you, you're probably going to recover a little bit quicker than if it was just me or, or like you said, like if someone doesn't know enough about maybe sports specific training from like a strength and conditioning aspect, and they're just trying to do it themselves, but they know in the back of their mind, Oh, are the, the strength conditioning specialist down the street could probably do better than I can, but you're just so focused on staying in your own lane. Like you could be doing a disservice to that person. So yeah, like being able yeah. to see different sides and understand what everybody can bring to the table is so huge. Yeah. And it could go even a little bit deeper on this. This is a little, a little in the weeds, but if you start to even then go into like the, the biopsycho biopsychosocial model of pain and yeah. we start to think about the fact that like, we don't even know where pain really comes from sometimes. And that things like how we feel mentally and, and, you know, like our feelings affect our, our physical feelings. So when people have, you know, things like knee pain, back pain, and that can relate to stress and that can relate to, you know, our, our daily routine and our sleep and all these other things. So it's like, if I only, you know, it's the old, old saying, if, if all I have is a hammer, then everything becomes a nail, right? Totally. Now it's like, if I have that more, less specialized view, the, I don't know if you've ever read the book called Range. Uh, by David Epstein, no. but it's about the, this exact thing. It's like, you know, the people that, that we, that everyone thinks that specializing is the way to go. You know, that if, you know, Tiger Woods was raised from the time he was three years old to be a golfer and golf, 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 golf. And he's like, while those people, there are outliers like that who, who succeeded in that way, that really most people who succeed do it in the way that you said, by having a varied amount of techniques, because exactly like you said, now they have that neuroplasticity, they have the ability to, they can take that soccer movement and translate it over to, to basketball. They can have a healthier shoulder because they aren't pitching 12 months a year because they're only pitching three months a year and playing football the other, however many months. So yeah, that's just a good book that uh, you should probably check out. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'll write it down. Any, anyone listening would, would enjoy as well. Um, so I want to keep moving. I want to get a little bit more into, I don't want to be super, uh, on the technical side of things here, but I do have you here and I know you're such a a smart person. And for me and for my, my listeners would be remiss if I didn't ask you some questions about the technical side of fitness. So I wanted to, the first thing I want to ask, and this is a question that I struggle with is like, why I don't like to use this word, but it's, I can't think of anything else to say. Why are people so broken? Right? Like, why is it (laughs) that, you know, how is it that we, we made it to the top of the food chain. Like we're like, we have a, you know, evolution is supposed to make us better and better and better. And yet now in the year 2020, it seems like everyone is 
dealing with some sort of dysfunction, shoulder pain, low back pain, knee pain are prevalent throughout nine out of 10 people have something like this. So how can that be when we're, we're supposed to have evolved to be the best? I think I can, I can answer that from two different angles. So one angle would be pain, how we manage pain and how we view managing pain. And then the, that, that's more just pain centric. But then as far as like function and how people actually function centric, um, that's a different thing. So let's go from the function part first. So I feel like as a general answer, I, I feel like people have learned we are very smart and humans are continue to show how much we can excel in making life more convenient. I think making things more convenient all the time is to a detriment. Mm-hmm. And so people understand Number one, it's convenience is nice, and our body is always looking for the path of least resistance. We always want to be able to do the things that take the less time, that take the, the least effort. And in a way, that's a positive thing. But at the same time, it also makes us not do as much. We're not as active. And also, as medicine improves, people can get away with more, right? So if you were around thousands of years ago, and you had the same issues that you're dealing with now with people like with like obesity or chronic diseases and stuff, not just hereditary stuff, but stuff that could have been prevented like diabetes and things like that. Diabetes type two. Um, people now can just go to the doctor and they can, they can manage it a lot, a lot easier medically than maybe a long time ago where um, without the convenience factor, it's, you would have to do a lot more on your own to take care of it. Number one. Uh, but the number two, just the, the modern lifestyle and how convenient everything is that requires less effort, that also plays into that. So those are two, two of the big things, I think. And then from the, the pain standpoint, I think that, again, in, in humanity's quest to get be- at the best we can at everything, when it comes to like rehab or recovering from injury or managing pain, everybody's so focused on like, how do we get rid of pain? How do we kill pain? How do we keep it from coming back? How do we how do we decrease this pain pandemic everywhere in the world? And then what ends up happening is everybody gets so focused on trying to get rid of the pain that we realize, you know what? A lot of times pain is just a part of life. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have pain, if you didn't have pain, that would actually be a problem. Mm-hmm. Pain is trying to tell you to do something differently. And sometimes we just need to accept that and let the body do its thing and continue to stay active and avoid the things that hurt for a little while. And then you get better. So that's not a very sexy answer, especially for a physical therapist, because mm-hmm. as a physical therapist, you get caught up in this, like, I need to fix their pain. I need to take their pain away. And if I don't, I'm a failure. And sometimes you need to like, understand like, Hey, and I see it a lot is a lot of people that see me, they technically don't need to see me. Mm-hmm. They could just, they could just, if, if they weren't so hyper-focused or if they haven't been, they don't see these commercials about how to kill pain or these, these revolutionary surgeries or these, this specific exercise or this pill or whatever, they weren't so hyper-focused on trying to get rid of their pain all the time, they probably would just go on with their life and it wouldn't be that big of an issue. And like you said, mentally, if you're so, what we call hyper-vigilance, if you're so focused on your pain and and the longer that you do that, that it actually gets worse because you're so focused on it. And it's not to say that it's all in your head, but basically your body produces pain. It's not something that happens to you. You actually produce it to, to let you know that there's something that's threatening, happening potentially. To your body and so the more you're focused on this pain it actually makes the problem worse so you people are like well how is this pain problem still an issue when we have this modern medicine we have a lot of smarter physical therapists personal trainers people to help manage this why is it still getting worse mm-hmm. and a lot of that i think is because everybody's so focused on trying to fix the problem when it's like a lot of times it's not really a problem you just need to better explain it to people mm-hmm. and help them understand that you know it's just sometimes just part of life yeah, I love that. I love that last bit because again, exactly that. It's sometimes we're we're fixing the problem and and not the cause, you know. And that that's like trying to fix the pain, but we're we're not uh, actually changing anything about what caused it. If we're not, and this comes back to that holistic view of everything of like if we're not looking at your lifestyle and looking at your sleep and looking at the way you're you're sitting or standing or doing what, the million other things that that add up and equate to you know what is your day to day life, and that is you know what causes pain most of the time, you know, sometimes there's an acute thing where it's like, yeah, I twisted my ankle or I, I was playing and I, pu- I felt the pop. But for the most part, people are just like, yeah, my back just hurts. Like it just, it just, it's like, it's just a thing, you know, like, um, yeah. but I really love that, that point you just made about 
and this because I do agree of that a lot of this comes from our society just becoming easier and like they you know Uber Eats delivering Oreos yeah. to my face without me having to stand up from a chair you know I get yeah. that I like what you said about the fact that in the past we didn't have those luxuries of being able to get this sick like you if you were if you were a yeah. farmer or something like that you couldn't let it get to the point where you were 300 pounds overweight and had diabetes or to when you had mm-hmm. chronic sciatica because you it would just wouldn't you were you lived in an active life and you it would never yeah. get there. So we were it's a, sitting for 10 hours a day in yeah. one spot, like never moving. Yeah, it was not, it was not. So it's like now it's like, I always talk about like crutches. Like if you use a certain thing, it's like a crutch and it's like our crutches have gotten sturdier. So they're like, eventually the crutches are going to break, but now we have them like they'll, they'll hold us up for so long. And then again, we yes. that, that hole of like, it's a, it's a little uh, too late now. So I really, I really enjoyed that. And one thing I, I like to explain to my patients sometimes, especially if they're, they're having an issue where there's not anything that needs any like, specific skilled help it's just more like hey you just need some education on that this is okay and it's not a big deal um is you have to think about like we would be lying even as a physical therapist and and i would be lying if i say i don't have back pain from time to time i don't have neck pain i don't have shoulder pain but the thing is a lot of it is how you deal with it and where you're what we call like your locus of control like, are you placing it on other people? Like someone needs to fix me. I always need to, someone else needs to do the work for me. Like, oh, I had a problem. I need to go see this person. A lot of times it's just like, you know what? It hurts. Can I deal with it? Yeah. Now, if it gets to the point where you can't deal with it and, and you're not like overly focused on it and it's just like, wow, this is actually just affecting me and I'm getting grumpy. Yeah, go see somebody to help you out and figure out maybe what underlying contributing factors are. But a lot of times we just, we get this idea that, Oh, this happened. It's bad. I need to go get it fixed. And it's like, not necessarily yeah. all the time. And, and people like, like us, we, we have pain from time to time. It happens. But a majority of the time, 99% of the time, we don't do anything specific. We just are smart and use our own intuition and then let it go and our body heals. Yes. I love two things about what you just said. One, I always like to, whenever I'm interviewing people like you or fitness, health, wellness professionals, I always like to point out that exactly what you said, you struggle, I struggle, I have pain. The reason I got into all of this is because I threw my back out deadlifting like an asshole. And I was, and I had no clue what I was doing. I popped my back and I had sciatica for like three years and I could barely walk. Oh, like that's literally what got me into all of this. So I always like to emphasize that no one is perfect. And, you know, even you have, have struggles, even I have struggles. And that's very important um, for people to understand. But the second part is this and this is i'm so glad you made this point was about the locus of control and the locus of control for anyone listening is is exactly as caleb explained is we you can there's certain things inside of our control and certain things of outside outside of our control and when we focus on things outside of our control it becomes extremely frustrating because we can't control those things right if i get mad at the traffic it's going to be a a long day for me because i can't control when the traffic goes away right and the reason I love this so much, and this is exactly what we were talking before I started recording about my whole goal with this podcast, this is everything in life, right? So you were talking about it from the scope of a physical therapist, but if you take out physical therapy and just put in business, take out business and put in entrepreneurship, take, put in relationships, put in diet, put in anything in life, it comes down to exactly what you just said. It's like, am I going to blame others and look for a solution that is not inside of me so that it makes it easier so that I take the, I take the onus off of me or something like that. And like, that is such a huge thing. And when people can wrap their heads around that, I think that that's like, I don't know, the key to life, honestly. Totally control what you can control. And then if you need extra help, go get it. And I I think I actually misspoke. I meant self-efficacy with, (laughs) I, I used the wrong verbiage, but, but you just went off of the locus of control, which is great. So I was referring to self-efficacy, but it also, yeah, goes into the locus of control is like control what you can control and, and do as much as you can. But once it gets out of that control, don't worry about it. Go get some help. Um, but don't don't decrease your locus of control yeah. so much that you're relying on someone else to try to do it for you when you actually can take care of it. And that's where the self-efficacy yeah. comes in. So self-efficacy would be more like believing that you actually can change it. Yeah, exactly. right? Like that you have the ability to change it without maybe that that was just like, again, that you that exactly like you said as a as a pt anything that you're telling someone to do is in reality something that they're doing you're not you're not doing the thing for them like you're just like kind of like here i'm showing you but it's all still well within your control your wheelhouse and having that belief that self-efficacy is what allows you because if you have that other i talk about a lot on here um 
self-talk, right? And that's what self-efficacy. So if you have that self-defeating thing where you're like, no, I could never do that, or I'm just broken, or I'm just, you know, like, I just, this is just me now. It's going to be a, a long day in traffic, like I was just saying. Yep. And, and the people that do the best, the clients that do the best are the ones who have a really high level of self-efficacy mm-hmm. and they focus on what they can control, but they also respect mm-hmm. that you as a provider have a level of expertise that can help guide them if they don't really know, because they're not the expert, mm-hmm. but you can help guide them. Those are the ones that do the best and really truly try to understand things. The ones that are always just looking for you for all the answers and don't take any sort of, um, I guess it takes two to tango that the people that don't want to do the dance with you, or they don't, they don't even realize they're not doing it. Those are the ones where, um, I guess from a business perspective for some people, there's someone that will keep coming back to you. But at the same time, it's like, if you truly want these people to get the best benefit out of working with you, they need to take a huge amount of ownership and you need to empower them through, through as, a, as a personal trainer or a physical therapist, you need to empower them through what you know, so that eventually the goal is that they really feel like they don't need you, yes. but they know they can tell other people about you. Yes. And so you can help more people. And it actually is helpful from a business perspective because yes. you're going to help how many more people, but technically they'll probably see you less if you're doing it the right way, because you've gotten to the point where they go, Oh, I only need to see you a couple of times and I totally understand what to do now. I don't, I don't, I don't have to like stick with you for months and months if I don't need to. Sometimes that's appropriate. Many, many times it's appropriate to some degree. Um, but that's, that's another way to look yeah. at it as well. Cause I get that all the time. People go, well, if you're giving away free content online or if yeah. you're telling people all this stuff to try to like not have to, to see you, like, isn't that horrible for your business plan? I'm like, actually, no, because people love that. People don't want to have to be stuck to something if yeah. they can fix it themselves. 100%. Yeah. That's so that that's so powerful and that shows the level of thinking that you have that you can you can uh understand that because this is exactly the difference between small-minded people and, and larger-minded people is that we have that it's that finite versus infinite thinking, right? So if I if I'm if I'm thinking uh, there's a book by Simon Sinek called the infinite game. And what he explains is that like people play the finite game where you, you think that there's an end and it's like, they, there's a winning in the game. So when having more clients, I win the game. So if I can keep that client on for longer and like, just keep him coming back and coming back, coming back, like I'm making more money, but you're playing the short game. You're playing the finite game. Whereas the infinite game is understanding that there is no winning, but, but by sending that person out into the world, they're going to speak your praise. They're going to refer you people they're going to do. So while you might lose in the short term, because you don't have that r- r- income coming in right now at this second, in the infinite game, because again, the game never ends, you, you keep playing until until you die, then now you're going to win because that, that person is going to tell someone that you're going to do the same thing for that second person and they're going to tell someone and it's just like, mm-hmm. it, it amplifies itself over more and more time and time and time. And again, this is not just with PT, with physical therapy, with personal training, this is business, this is like, you know, uh, Zig Ziglar is like a, one of the greatest motivational speakers of all time. And he says, you can have everything in the world that you want if you just help other people get what they want. And it's like, that's the whole idea is like, if you just help other people, they will say, it will come back to you somehow. And I don't, I'm not talking about in a spiritual way, but the, the universe finds a way of, of giving back to you. So having that mindset is such a, a freeing thing because it also allows you to do the right thing because probably in your heart, you know that what the right thing is to be doing. And you know that, damn, this person probably doesn't need to be seeing me two times a week for the next eight weeks. I could probably just fix them once. And if they do the work on their own, they would be able to, you know, be all right and not feel so dependent on a practitioner like myself. Totally. Well said. Um, So my next question, again, being a little bit more on the technical side, and this is something that I think in the fitness space has gotten a a little bit of popularity. I don't know, because I'm in this bubble of like, I only follow people like you. So it's like, I I don't know if if, if everyone's talking about it or if it's just the people that I like to look at are talking about it. Yeah. Um, But can you explain about uh, core bracing versus core stability versus just abs? (laughs) Where where is the context of that coming from, from people that you follow? Uh, It helps preface my answer. (laughs) In that, I mean, I'm big on this. So, right, I think of myself personally again in the the journey that I've made. Used to say, squeeze your abs, and then I years then I would learn learned about you know posterior anterior tilting and and bracing the core. But now where I'm at is again more of a from a core stability standpoint is like I want that active 
stability in all planes of motion because I don't want to have to just think about brace. The way I make it, uh, the way I explain to clients is like, if you're about to get up for a big squat and I tell you to brace, that's that's a cool thing, like brace. But it's like life doesn't happen in that, like like, like okay, big breath brace down, push out, yeah. you know, like, like what happens when you slip on the ice? What happens when you go to grab the top thing off the shelf or something like that? So I just try to explain that, you know, it's like, to me, it's like an evolution of Again, 20 years ago, if you talked about core training, core training and ab training were literally the same thing. There was no, mm. it was just like core meant abs, you know? And now I feel yeah. like we've, we've come a, a, a much farther and people are starting to kind of wrap their heads around the levels of what really is going on in that area. So I just wanted you to maybe break that down a little. Totally. So uh, in, in the physical therapy and rehab field, we've kind of gone through like these fads and trends and, um, and, and then what's funny is it seems like at least in the last, like, not that I've been a physical therapist for 20 years, but just like kind of reading stuff from the past and, and seeing how reading blogs or whatever, it seems like what happens is like, physical therapy goes through some sort of fad and then we kind of like move on from that to a different fad. And then personal training world, like gets the last, the last fad that we had a few years after. <laughs> and then it just, it's like a little bit delayed, but the yeah. same thing comes on. Um, Cause more physical therapists are reading research reviews. That's why it's <laughs> yeah. personal trainers are taking like the trickle down from, from the book yeah. that you guys write. <laughs> so, so, but basically with that being said, was there, there was this, this trend, uh, I mean, I don't know the exact amount, but yeah, probably around like 15, 20 years ago, where like there was a lot more focus on controlling the core. And then before, before even core bracing, it was like, like hollowing where you mm-hmm. suck in your stomach towards your spine and you're just trying to activate the one muscle, mm-hmm. the, the transverse abdominis. And then as time went on, they went, no, 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 we've got to actually like, like Stu McGill and stuff. Like we need to be able to brace all of those muscles, not just one. Cause first of all, you can't really do that anyway, but then you brace, it's actually, you're creating more of a cylinder to stabilize things and heavy stuff. Um, basically how, how I look at it is core bracing from just like a black and white term is contracting the muscles around the rib cage um, while contracting the pelvic floor mm-hmm. and then also being able to, if, if it's at a submaximal level, being able to breathe at the same time from the top of the diaphragm. So it's like that you, people have probably heard of that, the can analogy, right? So it's like a strong can of soda that hasn't been opened yet. And it's, it's very strong and stable. Um, and then core hollowing is like I said, you're just sucking in your stomach, trying to do those deep layers. And then ab, ab training is to me, it could be, it could be both of those things, but it could also be working on just straight, movement of the abs so whatever like abdominal muscles you're trying to bias more so if you're working more obliques you're going to be doing more rotational stuff um you also could do static stuff too so you could be doing like side planks or resisted rotations where you're not trying to move um and then if you're working like the six-pack abs you're doing more things like you could be doing like planks and and like dead bugs where you're not letting it move that would be more of the i guess core I'm quote, I'm air quoting for people who haven't seen at the core of bracing or core stability because yeah. meaning you're not letting anything move yeah. or you do more dynamic variations where you're doing like sit-ups or you're doing crunches or you're doing toes to bar where you're actually working the muscle basically like you would any other muscle, like a bicep, you're, you're contracting and you're, you're lengthening and shortening the muscle. So how I look at it is like, what are your goals basically? Mm-hmm. So there was this period of time where it was like, Hey, we need to keep everything stiff and stable all the time. This like in real life, it's like the spine is supposed to move. Like it has to move. And you look at people that, that walk, even when they're walking, they're rotating their trunk. When you reach, like you said, you reach for something, you're, you're cutting, you're running, whatever you, you have to rotate the trunk. But at the same time, you should be able to develop power. So it depends on, do you want to develop more power? Okay. You should work on explosive rotation, right? Um, do you want to be able to throw something overhead, like a ball overhead, like during your workouts or whatever? You want to slam a ball down. You need to be kind of working the trunk in different planes. Um, now, if you if you are lifting something like 400 pounds or something off the ground, that's when you might want to work more on like, okay, I don't want all this movement in my spine because that can decrease the efficiency of my lift, number one. And then for a lot of people, if you're not contracting that area and keeping everything nice and stiff, um, it can actually cause some more irritation if your if your back and your ligaments and your muscles and your discs and everything in your spine aren't, aren't able to handle that load in those positions. Yeah. Some guys can. Some guys yeah. can round their back like crazy and they're totally fine. But for the average Joe, I'm not going to tell people 
go crazy with them and try to keep them more in whatever their neutral range is and being able to control that and keep things nice and stiff, especially as the weight goes up. They're lifting a pencil off the ground if they have no symptoms. I'm just going to say, go ahead and bend your spine. It doesn't really matter. Whatever's most efficient for you, right? So I don't know if I'm, I don't know if that's answering your question. (laughs) It is because again, what what you said exactly about, you know, the whole, the canister analogy for anyone who hasn't seen that, I'll put a link to that. But it's exactly like you said, a a can of Coke, when it's sealed, if you squeeze it, you're not going to be able to do anything. But once you crack it and you let some of that air leak out and it's open, you could squeeze that can and crush it easily. And that's how your, your core works and bringing the pelvic floor into play and bringing breathing into play is that's what I'm talking about. That I guess like another word I could use is just a more dynamic, more full focused view of what the core is because exactly yeah. that used to come to me and they still do. And they go, Oh, like I know my, my back hurts. My doctor said I could, I should strengthen my core. And again, like I would tell that like in the past, I would just teach them how to brace and they'd be like, Oh, when I do that, I don't feel my back anymore. But again, it's like life doesn't happen in that yeah. like, big inhale, brace the, brace the core and like stabilize the spine and with no movement. It's like, if you live like, like this, or like in a, in a, in a McGill big three position that I guess like that, that works like that. So that's kind of what I was getting at. It's just that, that evolution of how uh, the core has been approached from, you know, many different standpoints. Um, And, and, and when you, people say core, a lot of times they're, they're just assuming the front abdominal muscles and they don't realize like, Hey, when people refer, I mean, everybody, it, there's no standardized definition, but when I think of the core, I think about like anything around like the pelvic region towards the center, yeah. like the core, like the middle of your body. So yeah. that could be the muscles of the spine in the back around, yeah. around the rib cage and around the stomach, like the obliques in the front, also the glutes and, and the hip muscles too, because it's right around the pelvis, basically the center of the body. How are you controlling that? Are you, are you yeah. controlling the movement trying to limit movement? Are you trying to get more movement out of it? Um, just is always dependent on your goals, but that's what I would view as the core, not just your six pack abs. Yeah, exactly. And just going back to, uh, what you talked about before, and I kind of highlighted about, you know, pelvic floor PTs, because now we understand that the core is everything from the rib cage down to the pelvic floor, and you don't know how to activate or use your pelvic floor that becomes the leak in your soda can, so to speak. So now it's like what people are like, why the hell would I care about going to a pelvic floor PT? But it's like, if that's your leaky place, if that's the place that is, is you don't have any control over, you have super strong abs and a strong low back, but you don't have that pelvic control, that becomes the air leak in your canister. And that's where things uh, start to crumble. So just understanding for anyone listening that it might seem silly to say, to talk about the pelvic floor or diaphragm or breathing, but all of these things are so important and any kink in the chain becomes the weak link, so to speak. Yeah. And, and again, all dependent on the goal. Sometimes it doesn't matter as much, but if you're somebody who's every time you pick up heavy weight and you're leaking a little bit, that's not really normal. Like yeah. You should learn how to control those muscles. And if you can't on your own, then you should go see somebody that yes. can help you with that. Perfect. Perfect segue into my next question, which is, you know, you just said it depends on the goal. So my question is, what's something that you think that the general public, you know, gen pop people, not really sports specific athletes, but just like the regular Joe and Jane focus too much on? And what's something that they don't focus nearly enough on? I think people focus way too much on alignment and trying to make sure everything's perfectly aligned or symmetrical. That's huge. Good answer. Because I see that all the time. And and this is not to even exaggerate, but like daily I'm getting like at least 20 or more people just messaging me just about showing me their x-ray, showing me the MRI or show me a random picture of their posture and saying like, how do I, fix this and make myself perfectly like so they don't specifically always say that, but that's basically what they're going for. And people need to realize like as humans, we have anatomical variability and that's different across cultures. That's different across just your individual genetics depends on what you need to use in everyday life. Um, if you're a right-handed person, this is the one I always tell people, if you're a right-handed person, your right shoulder is going to be a little bit lower than your left nine times out of 10. If you're left-handed, it's going to be the exact opposite. And you, it might look like your spine is slightly tilted to one side, but really that's just because a lot of times you have more muscle bulk on that side. You hold things on that side more. Mm-hmm. If that's contributing to, let's say, for example, back pain on that side because you're excessively bent to that side because you don't really use the other side as much, yeah, that should be addressed. Yeah. But we don't just need to address that randomly just because. Yeah. And a lot of people think that they look – this is the problem with some of the information age on mm-hmm. social media and stuff is you see all these like – 
these positive, these green check marks and these red X's. And I've used that in the past because I'm trying to make a point with like, hey, here's exercise technique to maybe be the most efficient. Or if you have a specific problem, here's what you might want to do better. But a lot of times there's no context. It's just like, this is right, this is wrong. And then people get so caught up on that and they think like, they become obsessed with quote, fixing their body when there's nothing to fix. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I think people focus way too much on is trying, yeah. is trying to be perfectly symmetrical and being perfectly aligned when it doesn't, doesn't really exist. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that. I'm going to let you finish about what, what people don't focus enough on in a second, but I just, before I let you go, uh, before I let you go on, I just want to uh, double down on that because I love that point because it, again, everything about this podcast and I'm always so big on this, that's everything what you just said. It's just the, the point is there is no perfect posture, just like there is no perfect anything. And that people are always looking for the perfect solution to X, Y, and Z. And that inherently, because as humans, we have organs that are not symmetrical, like our liver, our liver sits to one side. So we stand more to one side and we, we're one-handed, we're left-handed, we're right-handed. So we're just not symmetrical beings. So searching for being perfectly symmetrical is searching for something that doesn't exist. Just like searching for the perfect answer for when should I start my business, for yeah. What's the, you know, how do I fix my relationship for what's the best diet? All of these things like searching for perfection is what holds us back when it's just like, just as like, like you said, as long as you're not in pain from it, you know, maybe it's not perfect, but you're 99% of the way there. And that's the thing that I think people should be uh, focused on. Okay. Now you can go ahead with the second <laughs> question. I think, uh, people don't focus enough on training their body for the things that they have to do in everyday life to the things that maybe they have to do on a daily basis where if they learn how to train, not just for some random purpose and and not knowing what the heck they're doing the exercise for, but if they actually trained it for either to combat something that they're doing a lot of doing something opposite of that, or just to make them better at it. So if you're somebody that has, you have a physical job or something, trying to train so that that physical job becomes easier because you're performing movements and and exercises that are helping you with that. Or if you're somebody that has a desk job and it's like, Hey, let's do more movements that maybe work areas of your body that you don't work out as much because you're just not using them on a daily basis. And that's, that's kind of a, a generalization across two different types, but basically understanding why you're training, what you're training and have a purpose. And it's totally okay to exercise just for, for general health. Mm-hmm. I just think that sometimes people don't even, re- they just are like, I just am exercising. Yeah. I know I should. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, have a, have a purpose for it. Like, yeah. are you exercising because you want to improve your body composition? Do you, are you exercising because you want to feel better? Are you exercising for your mental health? Yeah. Are you, are you doing things that you like to do? Um, and I, I think from a physical therapy standpoint, a lot of times it's, we work, work with a lot of people that don't even like to exercise. And so it's just different when you're, when you're personal training, usually people are coming to you because yeah. they, they have some sort of like, I, I need to do this. I want to do this. Whereas your physical therapy, sometimes people, they hate to exercise and you're like, well, how do I find something this person enjoys and then help, help them like yeah. do that more often. So for sure. there's always got to be a purpose for what you're doing. And if you don't understand it, you should kind of dig deeper to understand why. And then, and then that will help you out. Yeah, I love that. And I, I, it's funny because I use this term a lot in my training. It's like functional, right? So I feel like the whole, the whole functional exercising, exactly one of those crazes that went through, you know, like yeah. so high dough. Like, what's, is it functional or is it functional? But like I explained to my clients, I'm like, to me, functional exercise, and this is just my definition, is exercise that mimics life, right? So I think of a squat, a box squat as a functional exercise because it's sit down and stand up. So can I do that? Right. As opposed to something like a bench press, which is just exercise for the sake of exercise. Like there's no time in life where you're probably going to have to be pushing a 200 pound thing off of your chest. So I like, you know, as much as I can add in exercise for me, the ultimate exercise, if I could pick just one thing and this is broad strokes, obviously you can't pick one thing for everything. If I can pick one exercise that every person should be doing would just be loaded carries, like just pick up some heavy thing and walk with it. It's like, it's like, because there's nothing more lifelike than that. And it's a good exercise it's like, or, or just walking in general too, is another good one, you know, but it's that thing of like, what is the point of the exercise? And you're right. So yeah. often people are just like, well, I do it because I do it, which is good. It's better than not doing it. <laughs> you yes. know? I'd rather you do that exercise with no point than do no <laughs> yeah. exercise at all. Yeah. We can get a little bit better and we go a little bit deeper and kind of understand, you know, there is a why behind every what, or there should be at least. And even if the why is, I know this will help me just feel better and it'll be better for my system. It'll be better for my heart, things like that. Even if it's just that, 
yeah. and you understand that, that'll totally help because what it does is it motivates you to continue to do it because you have a reason for it. If you don't have a reason, a lot of people don't exercise because they don't even understand. Like they know it's good for them, but saying it's good for you is not enough. You need to understand, okay, I have a history of osteoarthritis in my joints. So if I move and do things more, I will probably feel better than if I don't. Um, I have a history of maybe some sort of genetic predisposition for obesity. So if I do this stuff, it's going to keep me from, from developing these diseases and these issues later on in life, and it will improve my quality of life. So that will help people stay motivated, even sometimes if they don't like it, you know, so having that motivation. And I would actually go further off what you said functionally is, to me, functional exercise is anything that contributes to attributes that will help you with your overall function in everyday life. So, so to be a play devil's advocate, even uh-huh. a bench press, uh-huh. if, if that's going to help somebody be able to push things easier in yeah. life, even though it's not necessarily yeah, yeah. in a functional position, if you are lacking your oh, pushing okay. strength with your arms, even though you're not doing it in a balanced position, I can still help you in, in everyday life. If, if you, if you can kind of see if it, if it improves the attributes. One of the biggest things that we always talk about rehab is sitting down and extending the knee against weight. And it's like, a lot of people are like, that's such a bad exercise. Like it's not functional. And, yeah. and it's like a lot of times people, especially after surgery and stuff, it's like, you don't have that strength. And so, yeah, you can squat and stuff, but you can compensate in so many different ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you isolate that muscle and it helps you now that you can squat and you can run and you can jump because you're isolating it, even though the exercise itself technically is not in a functional position, it'll help you with your function down the road. Yeah. So yeah. That, that's how I kind of look at it too. No, that, that's awesome. I think that's so right. You're, you're right. I wasn't trying to bash Ben press. No, I know you were. <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and again, you ask any personal trainer, any physical therapist or anyone in the fitness space. And I, I say this all the time. The answer is always, it depends, right? There is no yep. one size fits all. Again, you know, I have, I'm, I'm generalizing on top of generalizations on top of generalizations when I say that, but I love totally. exactly what you just said about, you know, understanding what, why, uh, why we're doing this and what, how is it going to help me in life and translate and, having that deeper thing because again exactly like you said a lot of people don't want to exercise and i get it because exercising is hard and it's it's uncomfortable and there's a million reasons so if you don't have that deeper thing of like oh yeah my you know my my dad my uncle my grandpa all had heart attacks by the time they were 50 maybe now that i'm 42 it's time for me to start thinking about that thing and like that's real motivation you know that's the thing that can when you when it's like the the shit hits the fan because it always will it's always going to get hard when when they when the tough gets going and you have a real deeper thing inside, that's what uh, I really think is the is the way to have long term um, success in this stuff. And for anyone listening, uh, if you want to hear more about that, I actually did do my first episode of this podcast ever was titled "Start with Why," and it's all about that exact principle of finding out your why and figuring out uh, what makes you tick. Um, so. We've talked a lot, lots of different topics, and I really enjoyed this conversation. I want to start to wrap things up here because I want to be respectful of your time. Um, my last question for you before we wrap things up is always, I like to ask every person who comes on here for one piece of actionable advice, an action step that listeners can take as soon as this podcast ends to start living a happier, healthier life. It can be fitness related or not at all. It's just anything to live a happier, healthier life that they can start right away. I would say, and this is, this is probably just the current environment that we're in with this pandemic. I would just say, make sure you stay close with friends and family and develop those meaningful relationships. And maybe if it doesn't come easy, um, take the extra step to reach out to somebody and, and keep that connection there because that's, that's so huge as humans. We're social, we're social creatures. And so, it's really easy to let that fall by the wayside with everything that's going on around the world. And I know it, it affects a lot of people very negatively. And so I think just reaching out and even if you reach out to somebody else, even if you're doing fine, I think that's, that's huge to, to reach out to others that maybe are struggling with any sort of issues, even like depression and things like that, because there's not that normal social interaction and that, that can kind of help you motivate you to do other things when you have that social support, um, so I know that kind of came out of left field from what we've been talking about, but just in the current environment, I think that's super important for people to remember and people might not even be realizing that they should maybe take the time to do. No, I love that so much. And you're, you're 100% correct. And I want to emphasize that times a thousand. And it's actually quite interesting because 
you're maybe, I don't know, the 10th person I've interviewed in the fitness PT space. And literally every single person when I've asked this question has said something like that. Like not, no one has said squat more. No one has said <laughs> do up, do planks for two minutes instead of one. What they've said is meditation, journaling, gratitude, personal connection. The, the most physical thing I got was go for a daily walk. That was, that was the most thing. So it's, it's painting this picture of like, yes, fitness is important, obviously, but it's like, there's so much more to this. And that's really the, the main message I want people to get out of all of this. So I really do appreciate that that is where you went with this. I think that that's a great place uh, to leave this off. That was an excellent point. And in the current climate, people need to hear that more and more every day. Um, so for the last thing I just want to ask is, are there any last points, anything else you want to say to anyone listening? And then just please, ex, you know, tell people where to find you. I'm sure people are going to want to connect with you because you have so much good information to give and to share. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. And so this is something that I tell people all the time. And I, I try to promote a lot on my, like my social media channels and stuff is just realize that you're a lot stronger. You're a lot more adaptable. You're a lot more resilient than you have been told most likely, or that you think you are. And then work with that information to help improve your life and to make yourself a, a stronger individual. And that's not just physically, right? That's, that's mentally as well. So um, like you said, with the, with the current client, client climate that we're in, people can get easily down and that social interaction is so important. Um, but realize that like, Hey, we can all get through this. If you're, if you're struggling with something, even physically, um, just because you're not symmetrical, doesn't mean that you, that you're broken. Just because you, someone has told you that you have uh, gluteal amnesia, your butt's asleep. doesn't mean that you can't get a stronger butt. And uh, you know what I'm saying? So there's so many different things that people hear that makes them feel so broken and realize like as a human, like you can adapt. Yeah. There's, there's always a way that you can adapt and become better and stronger mentally, physically, spiritually. And so use that as a driving force to, to improve upon those areas where you need to, to improve upon. Um, and then as far as where to find me, um, social media, I, I basically, I, I only have time to really stick to one sort of internet um, source, which is, which is Instagram, which is something that I started a couple of years ago. So I post basically daily on there. Um, and then I also have, um, Twitter and Facebook, but that's really just watered down versions of, of my Instagram. And then I have a website as well, drkaylevers.com, which just kind of describes the, the services that I provide. So if anybody did want to reach out and work with me um, as a client or they feel like they need some guidance, that's where you would kind of take a look at that stuff. And you can also reach out to me on, the, on social media as well. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Thank you for this talk. We, I, I really think that a lot of people are going to get so much value out of it. Thank you for that last little bit. I think that that stuff is super important. Uh, you know, I'm super heavy on the mindset side of things and what people think about becomes the reality. So I think it's so important to hear from people like you, uh, who are emphasizing that and, and doubling down on that message that, you know, we are in control. We are not broken. Um, everyone can do better. And, and that's a great message to leave people with. So thank you very much for your time. I really do appreciate it. And I hope to be talking to you again soon. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, man. All right. Have a great day. You too. All right, guys. I told you that was an awesome episode. And for anyone who listened all the way to the end here, I hope you took a lot out of it. I hope you took some notes. Definitely go follow Caleb on Instagram because I'm telling you, you will learn a lot from his page. I live and work and breathe in fitness and I still learn from him all the time. So he's a great person to follow. I will have a link to his uh, Instagram in the show notes. I will also have links for the books that we mentioned, uh, Range and The Infinite Game in the show notes. You can also go there to check out the canister analogy that Caleb was talking about and in terms of core bracing. It's a very important, uh, actually, analogy to understand. So if you've never heard of that analogy before, you've never uh, can't picture what he's saying, then I definitely would go check it, check that out. Uh, once again, screenshot, upload this to Instagram, tag me, tag Dr. Caleb, and as always subscribe and share this with someone else who would find value from it until next week. Have a great day.